Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max with Keyshawn Johnson and Chris Candy. I'm Freddie Coleman on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80, as well as ESPN2 and your smart speakers presented by Progressive Insurance. Fellas, hope you had a great Thanksgiving, you and your family. How's everybody doing this Friday morning? What's cracking, man? I'm good, Freddie C. (laughs) Absolutely. It's all good, man. Had all the eats going on yesterday, wall-to-wall football. Uh How could you not be in a good mood? I just want to make sure nobody's in tryptophan mode. I want people nodding out about like 6.30 Eastern time, 3.30 (laughs) in the West Coast. I want to make sure that that's not going to be the case. I really didn't. You know, I had had three turkeys, but I really didn't even really eat turkey. I had like a piece, maybe a thin slice. I was kind of... Everything else would, you know, on my table, the, the size is ridiculous. We uh-huh. had so much food. Yeah. You know, so much damn food. It was crazy, <laughs> but it was it was fun. I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of alcohol flowing, whether oh, it was man. tequila to start, okay. wine to finish, and, and dessert drinks. I mean, yeah. it was just one of them deals where, you know, I had to I had to make myself get up out the bed this I was morning. Say, I, I'm surprised I damn near said here. no. I'm surprised you made it here, Keith, based on that information. No, I damn near said no. I almost rolled over and said, "I don't care what commitment I made. I'm about to lay in the bed, man. I this this, it was too much. It was a lot, you know. Especially especially watching the Bills game, and you still oh you still trying to drink on that a little bit. You know, the Cowboy game was one thing, but then, you know, the first game was a dud, though, right? I right. mean, it was like whatever. The Cowboy game is always an interesting. When then the nightcap, I'm, I was kind of footballed out by the time I got to the Bills. It was a little football. Yeah, I yesterday, had to force myself. Yeah. Yeah, Key, yesterday was one of those days where you watch football until football watch you. Mm-hmm. And based sure. on all the food, all the eats that was going on, there were a couple of food comas because there was a couple of plates yesterday. We'll put it this way. Seeing that the Cowboys defense and Raiders defense are part of that food coma thing, Chris, that you guys are just <laughs> talking about. That's part of Straight Talk. Brought to Straight Talk Wireless. The Raiders taking care of the Cowboys in overtime, 36-33. to 33. A lot of people having a conversation about the lack of defense between both of these teams, but also the penalties. And we were having a text message chain last night. Chris even talked about 28 penalties. Are you kidding me? That's exactly how Mike McCarthy, the Cowboys head coach, felt about all those penalties as well as the big plays created by the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, the big plays, I mean, that was obviously a part of their offense uh, approach. You know, it has been particularly in a number of situations. They're effective with it today. Uh, 28 penalties, I, I really, I mean, what, I don't know what the hell you want me to say. I mean, so write what you want. I'm all for it. Okay, so whatever you want to write is Mike McCarthy's issue. And, Key, we talked about this in terms of, Certain penalties will happen. Okay, it's just a snowball effect. But I'm not going to put this on the referees. When you have your defensive secondary holding that much against the Raiders receivers, you get what you deserve you to Dallas Cowboys. Well, I think that, you know, I, I understand Mike McCarthy's pointing to the 28 penalties because it's effectively he's talking to the referees and to the league office to let them know 28 penalties is a lot in the game, no matter how bad defense is playing. You you know, it's just it's just a lot. I think, though, in the end, when you know that the defensive backs, based on your study habits on the offensive side of the ball, is going to grab, going to hold. At times, they're going to take shots down the field where they don't turn their heads and you're going to get pass interference calls. You know that. You've already scouted that. You know that they're going to give up that. So you target that as an offense. You say to yourself, oh, we're going to throw the ball down the field. Why? Because they're not going to turn their heads. They're going to grab and hold. They're going to do certain things in certain coverages. At the end of the game, they were in cover two man. They were, you know, so when you look at 
the position that they was in. He's trailing. He's simply trailing in a man coverage. He doesn't necessarily turn his head. All he had to do was turn his head. If he turns his head, he could either get an interception or bat the ball down. But that just goes to show you he wasn't prepared in the football game. So, therefore, it led to the Raiders winning the game. Yeah, I'm with Key on this one. Like on third and 18 in overtime, why in the world would you want Anthony Brown in that position where he's in trail technique? Like that's the part that doesn't make any sense to me, especially knowing that he had three pass interference calls on him before on third down incompletions, might I add. So it just didn't make any sense, that call from Dan Quinn. But overall, Anthony Brown had a terrible game. The Cowboys let the Raiders off the hook because the Raiders over the last three weeks prior to this game were the worst team on third downs. And they were worse yesterday. They were 3 of 13. They have more DPIs to convert and give them first downs than they did actual third down conversions. So you got to question the, the, the play calling from Dan Quinn, especially when it comes to situational football in overtime with the game on the line. But that being said, that game to me was more about the miscues of the Cowboys than it was about the Raiders actually going out there and win a, winning a football game. Now, I'll give Derek Carr credit where credit is due. Being able to go into the second half and overtime without your top target and Darren Waller and still find a way for your offense to be productive, that's got to be, you know, that, that there's something to be said for that. But ultimately, the Cowboys let one get away. And this is a situation now where you're talking about it could potentially cost them a shot at the top seed in the NFC. Keyshawn Johnson, Chris Candy, Freddie Coleman, part of Keyshawn, J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80, as well as ESPN2. Here's something else I thought about in terms of when you use the word concern when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. The Raiders had to win this game yesterday because they're in a dogfight of a division. The Kansas City Chiefs are back. You got the Chargers. The Broncos, I know they're in last place, but still, everybody in that division is over 500. The Cowboys still have a lot of room to play with. Even though Philadelphia Eagles are coming on strong, they still had a two-and-a-half game lead going into this game yesterday. They still have a two-game lead in that division. But when you have those kind of things creep up, where you had guys dropping balls, you had defensive bad eyes and everything like that, there should be a concern with the Cowboys. But because Key and Chris are the division that they play in, it's easy to be fixing those things when you don't have any kind of fear of any other team in that division if you're the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East. You, you know, you say fear of anybody in the division. They could still essentially lose the division, so they have to play at a level as such that they continue to act like they're not having, that they do not have a two-game lead within the division. Um, you know, they're, look, they're missing players on both sides of the ball yesterday. Are they a good football team? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do, could they be better on the back end and the secondary? Yes. I think Trayvon Diggs gave gave the Dallas Cowboys, the Cowboys fans, and people that in the media that watch the Cowboys hope that the secondary would be a whole lot better. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't work out that way just because a guy is leading the league with eight interceptions. There's a reason you're leading the league with eight interceptions, because you are a target. They don't care. They will throw at you. And so you got to look at it from that perspective. Guys that they don't throw at that don't get the interceptions – typically are the ones that are the better cornerbacks. And in this league, offensive coordinators study film, and they watch your tendencies, and they go after you, whether you are safety or a corner, a nickel guy or a dime guy. We know where the duck is at at all times. Even if you do have eight interceptions, we can find you. Deshaun Jackson at times found him, hmm. along with Leonard Renfro at times found him. So that is just the way the league is. Yeah, I mean, I understand exactly what Key is saying. And I guess my concerns with the Cowboys 
might even go a little bit deeper than that. I mean, the strength of this team is supposed to be the offensive side of the ball, and ultimately the offense has to somewhat protect the defense by controlling time of possession, using that offensive line and that physical running game. And it seems like the last month or so the Cowboys have gotten away from that. We talked about the game where the Cowboys lost on the road in Arrowhead, and they threw the ball three times as much as they ran the ball, knowing that they were down Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb in that second half. So that's one of the things that I saw in this game. For them to have only 20 carries for 64 yards against the 29th-ranked rushing defense didn't necessarily make sense to me. And it's not like the complexion of the game got to a point where you had to get away from the run game because it was a one-possession game the entire time in the second half. So... There are some of the things that didn't make sense that Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore did. And ultimately, when you expose your defense the way that they did yesterday, and quite frankly, Derek Carr playing outside of his mind, yeah. like that's a formula that can lead to you getting beat. And that's exactly what happened to the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. And gave, Freddie, I think I'm getting old, man. I call Why? him Leonard Renfro and it's Hunter Renfro. That's okay. Where the hell? Who, who the hell is Leonard Renfro? You tell us. You brought his name up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why are you asking us? <laughs> because I, I know I know see, a Leonard see, Renfro from you, somewhere. See, Chris, I'm like, where do I know Leonard Renfro? I mean, Hunter Renfro. <laughs> Chris and Key, this Leonard, is Leonard Renfro sound like you from much. around the way, Key. Right. Chris, Chris, <laughs> Chris and Key, this Let, is what happened. You get too much of your party on. And the Buffalo Bills had you trip the fan mode. That also, you're confusing names all over the place. Leonard, That's what this is. Leonard Renfro, a uh, defensive tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles in 1993-94. First round pick in the 93 draft out of the uh. University of Colorado. Defensive tackle. See, that was before you, came, you guys got into the league. No, I knew I, Leonard Renfro played for the Colorado Buffaloes. Uh huh. That is correct. I just, I'm like, see, now, 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 if you start bringing up Canavis McGee from the Buffaloes, then we got something here with the Colorado Buffaloes. You start bringing up names like that. Hey, 1990 national champion. There you go. I, that's where, baby, I, that's, I know I know that name. Jeez. I'm pretty sure it's no relation to Hunter Renfro. No, 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 no not at all. No relation, no relation to Mel Renfro. They, you know, no relation to Hunter Renfro. Each other. No. No, they may be twins of a different mother. No, no, they're not related to each other at all from that standpoint. All that part of Straight Talk brought by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Definitely underway with Week 12 in the books in the National Football League. Who needs to win most now in Week 12? Be a part of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football's winding down, but fans are still hyped all about it. So return to glory of Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Chris Canty and Key touched on some of the Cowboys running game, and it's all part of the what's wrong when it comes to Ezekiel Elliott. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. It is Keyshawn J. Will and Max, Freddie Coleman. That's me, Keyshawn Johnson. That's him, Chris Canty. That's him on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sirius XM Channel 80, your smart speakers, and ESPN2. Anytime a guest starts about to hang out with us, they're here thanks to the Goodyear hotline. Hit us up anytime you want to Dr. Pepper call on the line. Who needs to win most in Week 12 of the NFL? Hit us up at 888-ESPN. 888-729-3776. So you heard that call from Brent Musburger on Raider Nation Radio, AM 920. Excuse me. Cowboys fell down early, could not get into the game plan. Don't take our word for it. Listen to Mr. Jones, Jerry Jones, saying, uh, we just couldn't get the game plan started. He is pushing to uh, He certainly has a uh, limitation. Our plan was to uh, probably have Pollard uh, uh, touch the ball 25 times. For the game. That was our plan for Pollard to touch it that much. And uh, of course, uh, you need time of possession to uh, really get all of that in. But the, one of the main reasons it was that way because Dak uh, had been had some limitations. So, Keith, this begs the question we were all talking about this before the show got started. How injured is Ezekiel Elliott? Well, I think it, 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 it's injured enough that they decided that they wanted to try to get Tony Pollard involved in the game. Uh, So when you look at it and you want to have him touch the ball 20, 30 times in the game, that means that there's something going on with Zeke that they're not comfortable enough with him being able to hit the holes and do some of the things in the past game that he's been able to do in the past when healthy. And I don't have a problem with that at all. I think the problem, the biggest problem for the Dallas Cowboys yesterday is they abandoned the run for the most part. And I, and I believe that a lot of times offensive coordinators go into a panic mode because they start to get behind in games and they start to say to themselves, nice. we got to play catch-up opposed to just staying the course and then eventually something will pop for you. Keep the defense honest, and that's not what they did from an offensive standpoint. And when you look at it as a whole, the offensive line has been banged up. Guys have been in and out of the lineup on that side of the ball for them. And then when you talk about C.D. Lamb along with Amari Cooper not playing in the football game, that's certainly – Help that certainly hurts for sure. Your offense, even though from a number standpoint, second half of the game, the the the, the passing game sort of kind of opened up for them a little bit. But by the end, I would say it was a little bit too late, even though they evened the score. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, Key. I, I mean, even if you're not going to run the ball, at least give the running backs opportunities to get the ball out in space. Feature the screen game just a little bit more. Take some pressure off of that offensive line. Take some pressure off of your quarterback. And they just didn't do that. So I don't understand why they didn't try to find more opportunities for Tony Pollard to put his 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 imprint on the game. Because it was clear, like the guy had the juice yesterday. He had the 100-yard kickoff return. It felt like there was a natural opportunity with Zeke banged up to get him a few more touches. And that just didn't happen. So I feel like the Cowboys of late have started to get away from their identity, who they really are, who we saw in the first half of the season. And that's why they've kind of fallen into a pattern of win one, lose one. And now with back-to-back L's, you have some serious questions about, you know, how far can this team actually go this year? We know they're going to make it to the playoffs. That's a fait accompli. It's just a matter of 
can they put together a team that's capable of being able to make a deep playoff run? And if you asked me that question a month ago, I said, absolutely. Now I'm not so sure because we're starting to see some flaws in this team in terms of how the coaches are calling the game, but then also some of the guys that have been exposed when this team has been struggling. I'm always amazed, guys, that we always hear about modern football, modern football, pace and space, spread people out. But all it comes back down to the running game. If you're not able to run the football or stop the run, you're, you're putting your quarterback at risk because you're exposing the throwing too many times. Key and I, you, we all talked about this. How many times you talk about Tony Romo was always most effective when the Cowboys did not throw for 35, 40 times a game. And every time they got to that number, that they were not going to be a better chance of winning that football game. So if that's going to be the case with this Cowboys running game and Ezekiel Elliott is injured, and also, by the way, they played seven linemen yesterday and they were switching them up all over the place. And I don't know how that builds continuity as well. It's all of a sudden now, if we're not able to run the football, if the offensive line doesn't have continuity, then Dak Prescott is going to be not at a premium. It's really interesting how in pace and space football that if the running game is not working, you can't stop the running game, you have no chance of having kind of success in the playoffs. You know what's so funny, though, is I, I just heard you use the word of modern-day football, Freddie, and passing and doing all of those sort of things, and it just brought me back to my playing days. I remember, and Evan, you remember this, in 1998, that wasn't the modern. That would, you wouldn't consider yeah. that modern, right? You would right. say, 1998, there's no way. Well, guess what? We accounted our top three receivers counted for about twenty eight hundred yards in the air. On top of that, our running back Hall of Famer Curtis Martin accounted for another fifteen hundred yards on the ground. Mm. That didn't mm. happen just yesterday. That's right. been going on for a long time. I don't understand why all of a sudden we get into this era of football where everyone feels like that they've got to try to throw the ball all over the lot every single down instead of doing the things that got you there, which is running the football and allowing that to open up the pass game no matter who your receivers are. You have capable wide receivers on your roster. That is why they're in the National Football League. But if they're not converting on third down or doing some of the things that you paid them to do, you got a guy like Tony Pollard there. You've got to figure out a way to get him the football. It all stops, whether it's running the ball, whether it's lining him up at the receiver position, whether it's motioning on fly sweeps, things of that nature. And I think Kellen Moore did a poor job yesterday. And I know that a lot of people have been praising him. He's going to be the next head coach of this, and he's a great that. <laughs> Is he really? Or are we getting caught up in the hype? That's why I always, I'm a pump the brakes guy. Slow it down. You got to slow it down on the next genius stuff because if that was the case, he would have figured out how to get those touches for Tony Pollard regardless. Yeah, I'm with Key on that one. The sequencing in the play calling has to be called into question after yesterday, and it's not like you have to do one or the other when it comes to running the football or throwing the football. And the example that you have to look at is what the Raiders did, and that's a team that usually doesn't have a whole lot of balance, Mm -hmm. and they showed the graphic yesterday when Derek Carr throws for over 300 yards, the Raiders are undefeated. When he doesn't, They don't win. Yesterday, they were able to throw for over 300 yards, but guess what? They also ran the ball to the tune of 35 times for 143 yards. So that's typically what we see from this Dallas Cowboys offense, but it seems like it's out of sync, and you can point to some of the guys that are missing in the lineup. But again, I go back to what the Raiders offense had to deal with yesterday with no Darren Waller in the second half. So you got to find ways to be productive with the guys you got. And Tony Pollard is one of the guys that can make some special things happen when he gets the football in his hands. And so for me yesterday, 14 touches, just not enough. They should have found a way to make that 20, 25, because we see 
when that guy gets the ball, he can do some special things. So I, I, I can't buy into the excuses yesterday that the game got away from them where they couldn't stay with the running game. They couldn't use the short passing game to the running backs as an extension of the running game. That was a misstep by Kellen Moore, and it ultimately led to his team, well, it helped lead to his team losing the game. I would probably put more blame on Anthony Brown and C.J. Goodwin, <laughs> the guy jumping off sides multiple times at the end of the game with that missed field goal, um, and then ultimately gave Carlson another shot at it. But, yeah, man, there were a lot of mistakes, plenty of blame to go around for the Dallas Cowboys, but now this is a team that's reeling because they've lost three out of their last four games. Yeah, two losses in a row. Look at the hot teams in the NFL right now. Kansas City Chiefs able to run the football. New England Patriots, able to run the football. Indianapolis Colts, able to run the football. They've become the hot teams right now in the NFL lately. Something for the Cowboys to think about going forward after being losers of two in a row. Cowboys looking to get their running game going, get it to get in the zone. Get in the zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. We're also asking the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, who needs a win most in Week 12? Hit us up at KeyJMax on Twitter. And by the way, one coach desperately needed a win or his key card may not have worked on Friday. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. I'm like Keyshawn Johnson and Chris Canty. I'm Freddie Coleman and Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, 6X and Channel 80 or smart speakers, and ESPN2. Anytime a guest stops by to hang out with us, they're here thanks to the Goodyear Hotline. So here's the deal. As you heard the call from WBBM, News Radio WBBM, the report came out on Tuesday that Matt Nagy, the head coach of Chicago Bears, was going to be fired this week. And then on Wednesday, categorically denying all over the place of the Chicago Bears organization. And then they go out there and beat a hapless and still winless Detroit Lions team. Matt Nagy, Bears head coach. How relieved do you feel about this situation, getting that win and not losing to the winless Detroit Lions? So what I care about are these players and coaches. That's what I care about because they're the ones that are out there sacrificing all their time and energy to get this win. They, they deserve this. Um, when you lose five games in a row, I've been telling you this whole time you want to go one and out. That's it because you never know what can happen from there. And so when there's distractions, which is in every sport, in all facts of life, there's always going to be distractions. It's how you handle them. And again, we got the win today and it could have went a lot of different ways. But the reason why we got the win is because of how they handled the distractions. Again, that's that's where, to me, when you're in this business and you lead people, uh, it's my job to make sure of honest and open communication. That's where, for me, I just I just can't tell you how much this win means today to me because of what they did. Yeah, when you lose five games in a row, I, I don't know what you mean by 
<laughs> Anything can happen. It can go anywhere. Yeah, it can go. You can get fired. That's what can happen. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I remember. I remember in '98 mm-hmm. when I was with Richie Kotite, and I think we Ooh. beat Arizona. We were like 0 and seven, and then we went to one and seven. He came in the next week talking about we could still make the playoffs. I was like, man, if you don't stop, mm-hmm. <laughs> he said that. When yes. you were one and seven, and yeah, 96? remember we beat Arizona. Oh yeah, I remember one, the one game, and yep. we came into that meeting. It was our bye week. When we got back from the bye week, he said, "You know, we can go eight and eight and win and, and still make the playoffs." And I'm like, "This, man, this is this, yeah, please, man, stop." <laughs> and that's just what I heard from Matt Nagy saying, "Oh, zero oh and five, you lose five games in a row. Anything can happen. This is why you stay the course." And I'm like, "What? You mean getting fired? Is that what you mean?" Nah, anything can happen when you're playing against the Detroit Lions. Let's just call that what it is, man, especially the way that Dan Campbell mismanaged the game and the timeouts or, and not, not taking timeouts on the, on the right side of the two-minute warning and letting the Chicago Bears bleed the clock down to the warning and ultimately set up the game with a field goal. Like the, Those miscues by the Detroit Lions is ultimately what led to Matt Nagy essentially getting a reprieve and staying on as the head coach. But make no mistake about it, he's on borrowed time. The Bears are going to move on from him sooner rather than later, and rightfully so, because the record speaks for itself. Yeah, I I think so, Freddie. I think what Chris is saying right there is that when you look at what the noise coming out, as you said, into this intro about where things were for the Chicago Bears and the information coming out of Chicago, we had Dave Kaplan on the show a couple days ago, and he talked about the individual who wrote the story uh, of being dialed in and not only is he dialed into Chicago community and the Chicago Bears, he is a, a award-winning journalist, so he is not going to just throw it on the wall and hope it sticks. But the Chicago Bears clearly have decided to kind of backpedal out of it, and he wins the game. So much like Chris saying, you got one more game for the lights to stay on. Yeah. And then you pay that bill, you get one more game for the lights to stay on. <laughs> because they got the Cardinals, Packers, Vikings, Seahawks, Giants, Vikings. So whether they think the lights on or off, They still got that kind of schedule left before Matt Nagy has moved on. Here's the deal with the Chicago Bears, and it's been talked about, but when when it's at the top, when you have problems at the top, it affects everybody else. No matter what happens with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, general manager, I don't think he should be worried. I think he should be worried about his key card not working either at a certain point with this organization. Whoever you bring in, it has to be about who's going to be the best person for Justin Fields. If you think it's going to be an NFL's offense coordinator right now or whatever college head coach may be out there, it could be the hot commodity, whatever that's going to be, the McCaskey family has to do a better job of putting pieces in place from a management standpoint, a middle management standpoint, because you got a guy, Justin Fields, that he has shown the ability that you give him chances and put pieces around him, he can play a little bit. And we're not talking about a Bears team, Key and Chris. That's devoid of talent. Are they a talented team like the Green Bay Packers? Of course not. But they got some dudes on defense that can play a little bit, and they got some quality pieces on offense that you got a quarterback that can bring the best out of everybody. The next decision that they make when it comes to a coach and a general manager is going to be very important because you do not want to waste the years of Justin Fields. And then at the end of his rookie contract, he says, you know what? You guys know what the hell you're doing. I'm out of here. I'm going to go somewhere else. And I yeah, think- no doubt about that, Freddie. And the most valuable commodity in the NFL is a starting quarterback on a rookie contract. So you absolutely want to bring in somebody that can cultivate Justin Fields' talent and bring the best out of him. Ryan Day from Ohio State is a name that people are starting to say a lot more, mention a lot more. It seems like that would be a natural fit. I was told by somebody that's an Ohio State football alum that Ryan Day would absolutely be interested in the right pro coaching job. So we'll see how that evolves. But whether it ends up being somebody from the college ranks or whether it ends up being somebody from the pro ranks, 
it's clear that the Bears need to pivot in another direction because Matt Nagy has had enough chances to, to develop young quarterbacks and it hasn't necessarily worked out. So they got to go a different direction, and I would say they should do that sooner rather than later just so they can try to get a jump on, you know, trying to put out feelers and reaching out to the coaches. That would be their preferred candidates and letting it be known that this is going to be a job that's available with a guy that was a top 11 pick in the NFL draft from a year ago. Yeah, and I, and I think that, you know, they probably have already started their search committee and they're searching mm-hmm. for the right candidate or conversations for whatever that may be. Anytime, no matter what college head coach is and where he's at university-wise and in championships and whatnot, whatever the case may be, when the NFL comes a-calling, they are listening. You must believe that. Um Ryan Day will be no different than Nick Saban. Nick Saban's no different than Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's no different than John Robinson, who left USC to go to the Los Angeles Rams, or or or, or J- McKay, who left USC to go to the Tampa Bay Bucks, Chip or, Kelly, or Chip Kelly, yeah. or any anybody that has the desire. Because the National Football League is another level. It's cool to win in college football. It's all that. Just ask Matt Rule. It's very. But the dream job. <laughs> is to be in the National Football League. So a lot of times when you hear coaches' names and they don't get hired, it's not that they don't want to be. It's that they didn't get offered the job. Okay. And I don't think that that'll be the case with with uh, Ryan Day because he is a pro football coach. A lot of people look at Ohio State's offense and think that it's a college offense. No, it is a pro-driven offense. This is why they're having so much success on the offensive side of the ball. This is not the stuff that we've seen – uh, in Florida with Dan Mullen and Urban Meyer. This is not the stuff we've seen with Urban Meyer at Ohio State prior to Ryan Day taking over. This is a real pro-style offense. This is why a guy like Haskins gets drafted in the top 15 picks in the NFL draft because he was a pro quarterback. He just wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to be a pro quarterback. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if that was the case, Canty, that all of a sudden you start to hear the noise, especially uh, elevate even more after this weekend when they take care of Michigan. Oh, they're gonna no take doubt about Michigan. it. <laughs> no doubt about it. If that happens, I mean, all of a sudden you're talking about Ohio State being back in the college football playoff and competing for a national title. And we know, I mean, for a college coach, you're, you, you can't get hotter than that in terms of being in demand at the pro ranks. So we'll see how it all goes, man. But it feels like that's the direction things are trending for Ryan Day that he'll have opportunities this hiring cycle in the NFL. It is Keyshawn J and Max Keyshawn Johnson over there, Chris Canty over here, Freddie Cohen right here on Freddie on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Series X and Channel 80, as well as ESPN2. Let's bring in our man Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider, joining us here thanks to Progressive Insurance, and he's joining this conversation thanks to the Goodyear Hotline. Dan, we were talking about the Matt Nagy situation in Chicago and how much the win meant to, meant to that organization and to him. We know he's going to be out of the way. They did snap a five-game winning streak, but where are the Bears with Matt Nagy and this situation and their future? I mean, look, Freddie, it's obviously a situation as we head into December next week and, and into the, the season where we look at where these openings are going to come up. It's, it's a situation people around the league obviously have a close eye on for reasons that don't need much explanation. I mean, this is a, an organization that hasn't had a lot of success uh, since Nagy got there, I, I think it's a, it's a position where there's a lot of expectation that that'll be one of the jobs that does turn over. Do we, see, do we say that as a sure thing? No, we never say that as a sure thing until we see it happen. But that's definitely a spot where I think, you know, you do see 
people talking about, well, who will get that job, who will be in charge of Justin Fields' development going forward, and I think that, that has a chance to be one of the big stories um, right, right at the beginning of the offseason. The biggest deal or for them, during though. during the playoffs when, uh, yeah. when teams are hiring coaches. Yeah, yeah, the biggest deal for them, Dan, is it's not even the head coach, it's the, who the head coach hires, right? As a quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator. If the, if the head coach is the play caller, he better hire a quarterback coach that can develop the young man. Yeah, I mean that, that that's how I yeah, see it I think too. That's you got to make sure that. Eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's got to be about Justin Fields moving forward. I think everybody recognizes that it's a quarterback driven league, no more so than ever before in the NFL than now. And so yeah, I, I think it's all absolutely got to be a Justin Fields led decision in terms of like making sure that you put the person or the people in charge that can develop him and get him to realize his full potential because you've got so much invested in that guy. Keep it in mind, the Chicago Bears don't have a first-round pick in 2022 because they moved up with the New York Giants to get Justin Fields. So that has to be the priority this offseason. Thanks, John. So we got Dan Grimes. Let's get to some hot news or not news involving other people and other teams not involved, the Chicago Bears. We're going to start with Jerry Jones said Ezekiel Elliott is limited by a knee injury, Dan. Is this hot news or not news? I mean, it's hot news. Like, we, we knew it, right? So it's not sort of breaking news. But uh, it's hot news if he's not full strength. You saw them last night. Look, they're still able to put points on the board, even without their top two receivers. But they talked all week about wanting to run the ball more in this game on Thursday. And... They were limited in their ability to do that. I think the main reason is his health. He's going to fight through it. He has said he's going to continue to play, but it's obviously affecting them. It is certainly hot news on a lot of fronts. When you look at teams in the National Football League that run the ball well, Dan and and Chris and Freddie, they have a two-man punch crew. Outside of the Tennessee Titans with Derrick Henry, every team that can run the ball well, the Cleveland Browns, they got a two-man punch. And that's what the, the Dallas Cowboys had. They had a two-man show. Now they're down to one in Tony Pollard. But on top of the hot news, those injuries continue to keep mounting up for Ezekiel Elliott every single year. So it's, it's just, you know, now you go into question, oh, my God, he's a running back. Do you pay running backs? That noise will start to come up even more. Well, yeah, Key, I mean, listen, the guy's making $15 million a year. So, yeah, th- when the production is not matching – the pay scale, there's going to be some question marks, but it's hot news because the Cowboys have championship aspirations and you want to be as healthy as you possibly can. And coming into this season, Ezekiel Elliott figured to be a focal point of that offense. So not having him at 100% certainly is something that is noteworthy. So I'll say hot news. New Orleans Saints are on a four-game losing streak. They got the full beaten out of them by the Buffalo Bills last night. Dan, their four-game losing streak, <laughs> hot news or not news? The Saints? It's, it's hot news. I mean, they're, they're, they're tumbling out of this. And the, and the reason is uh, they really don't have anywhere to go on offense. Like, that, I mean, if you don't have Kamara, you don't have Ingram, you never got Michael Thomas this year, you just lost the tight end, you're down to your second-slash-third-string quarterback. I mean, I just think the tackles have been missing games. I just think Sean Payton's looking out at his offense right now, and as good as he is at finding solutions there, I, I just don't know where he sees one. Yeah, it, it's it's hot news because, much like Dan said, he answered all of the questions. The offensive side of the ball is dismal for them. No Michael Thomas, no Kamara, tied in, gone. 
A quarterback shouldn't even be in the league as far as I'm concerned. They had an opportunity to fix it when Jameis Winston got hurt to take a look at Cam Newton that was out there. They passed on that. And I wouldn't be shocked or surprised if, and I know Sean Payton has a big deal, but I wouldn't be surprised if Sean Payton decided to do something different at the end of the season. How about them Saints, Key? Oh, How about them Saints? Oh, what happened to them? Oh, boy. I'm just saying. Go. It was just saying. Oh, a month ago, stop. there was a top three seed, and now yeah, they're on the outside but looking into the playoffs. All I'm going to say this. Hot news. The Saints were one of the teams that we expected to have a wild card spot, and there were five teams, I think, coming into week 12 in the NFC that had five wins competing for those last two wild card spots. And right now, the Saints are just not one of those teams that you could actually trust to hold on to that. So, I'm going to say it's hot news because we could be talking about the Saints being on the outside looking into the postseason. I want to go back to the hot news that Keith just pointed out about Sean Payton. What do you know? When you just said that you wouldn't be surprised he does something different, what, what did you mean by that? Well, you you got you to gotta think about it for a minute. Who's one of his mentors? Who's a guy that he looks up to? Bill Parcells. And in these situations, Sean does want to rebuild a team. Finding a quarterback and trying to rebuild a team over again and, and get a nice window. No, when there's opportunities out there, like a Chicago, for instance, you just never, ever know. He's flirted with other teams in the past, okay? He knows how to get out of his contract to go somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Just just trust me on this one. I ain't saying I know anything, okay. but – just trust me. Uh, Dan Graziano, uh, uh, Keyshawn getting in touch with inner Dan Graziano here. What do you got to say about that? I think, look, I mean, it's obviously it's talk that has circulated around Peyton in the past, as Keyshawn mentioned. I think the more likely possibility in New Orleans is, if, you know, Peyton looks at his roster, thinks he can compete. He looks at trying to get one of those veteran quarterback uh, options this offseason, whether it be a Russell Wilson, an Aaron Rodgers, you know, guys like that that we expect to at least be available. So th- that, that, I think, is probably the more likely scenario. But, yeah, I think with Peyton there has been that chatter in the past in certain situations, and, uh, you know, nothing's forever. So I guess it, it's possible we have that conversation again. Okay. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, you guys brought him up, so we're going to go there. He says he has a fractured toe. Hot news or not news, Dan? It's hot news because it's affecting the way he moves around on the football field, and it affected his performance the last couple of games. It'll probably have some effect on his performance this week. Does that mean they can't win with him and that toe the way it is? No, it doesn't mean that. Obviously, they were in position to win the game last week, but it could be something. He mentioned the possibility of getting it fixed over the bye week, so I guess that we have to consider that possibility. But if not, it could be something that he has to manage all year, and that's, that's something that the team will have to deal with. You know, it's not hot news to me because it's not, it's not, oh God, I don't want to look at his feet on television, oh, but it's not, it's, it's not hot news to me because it will not stop him from throwing the football or moving around. It's just a conversation because it's the quarterback and it's Aaron Rodgers. Man, it's hot news for the memes alone. I mean, seeing some of the stuff that's been on social media about Aaron Rodgers' feet has been hilarious, yeah. but here's the reason why it's hot news. It's because of what Dan mentioned, his ability to be able to move around the pocket, second reaction plays, extending the downs, waiting for those receivers to uncover. All of that stuff is what makes Aaron Rodgers special. And then you couple that with the fact that Elton Jenkins just was lost for the season with a torn ACL and that we haven't seen David Bakhtiari back. Like, that could mean trouble in terms of being able to protect A-Rod and keep him upright 
for the second half of the season and on into the playoffs. And that is hot news or not news. Dan, by the way, you're going to be in New England right. on Sunday. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah. No, I'm just saying to the extent that he has to help his own protection, uh, healthy feet would be a big part of that. Yeah, especially if we don't have to see those feet ever again as part of a meme. Either way, we just move on from that nonsense. Dan, you're going to be in Sunday for a Titans versus Patriots. Where would you put the Patriots in terms of the hierarchy of the AFC right now? Oh, I think they're right there in the conversation. Look, I mean, if they win this game, they'll literally be the top seed So, because uh, they'll have the tiebreaker over Tennessee. So they have to be in that conversation. I think, I think the entire story of the Patriots season in the AFC East rests on the fact that they have two games against the Buffalo Bills in the next four weeks or in the next five of their next four games. So that will determine that division, who wins it, and what we think of the Patriots. If they can go back to thumping the Bills the way they did when Tom Brady was there, then we have to say, oh, the, you know, they're back on top. But Buffalo looked pretty good last night, and I'm not ruling them out yet either. Damn, Dan, did you just say if they beat the Titans, they get the top seed? Right, because that'd be eight and four, and the Titans would be eight and four, and and uh, and they would have beaten them. So yeah, wow, I break no, it. I didn't even I, I, just hearing. I mean, it, I'm not looking at the. No, just my hearing it though, Dan. Just hearing yeah. it is like, huh? Yeah. Not the New England Patriots without Tom Brady fighting for the top <laughs> seed in the AFC. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, that Bill Belichick guy can coach a little bit. Last time we knew, they're not alone. <laughs> You can. <laughs> Hit him on Twitter, Dan Grazi on ESPN. Does a great job as an ESPN NFL insider. Hey, Dan, always appreciate it, my friend. Enjoy the game Sunday between the pay, t- Titans and Pages. Excuse me, and you take care. One team saw their quarterback have the best game of the season on Thursday, but does that mean he's the future? That's next on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and ESPN2. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. 